This is the Floracal podcast where we discuss industry technology, trends, and tell great stories. The question is, what about the, the more entry-level users? You know, somebody who just goes yeah. in there to kind of just, you know, they host their own little VPN yeah. within, you know, AWS. Are, are, are they kind of analyzing his traffic? His, yeah. his, you know, so I, I think that's a privacy question. Um, what are the risks with that? Yeah. Since, since all these big companies are actually data companies. They don't, they don't really, they, they collect data so they can couple it with advertising and make yeah. money off of you. They, they can care less about, you know, the actual revenues that come from using cloud. It's all about data. The more they know, the more they can sell directly to you and convert uh, from a marketing standpoint. So is there any information about how, over time, rates have changed for storage, for, for access, you know, in, in and out access, whatever? I mean, it, it, it's grown a lot. Does that mean that... There's more capacity, so people so the rates are low to encourage people to do more, or does it mean there's much more demand, so the rates are going higher? I mean, that to me would be one of the risks of a public cloud is that you sign up at a rate for a period of time, and then you become so dependent. Well, think about the amount of media consumption and how, I mean, we we talk about AWS has 32% of the, market share of those people that's on the cloud, but what is the percentage of those people utilizing uh, processing power that's not on a cloud at all? They have their own on-prem or server system, uh, server farm, et cetera. Um, That statistic would be AWS is actually relatively uh, low in, in that number of all the computers out in the world you know, how much of those actually belong to AWS, right? So they have a vested interest to try to rule the world, so to speak. You know, it's like I'm, I want to have everyone using any kind of GPU, CPU storage. I want them to use our equipment to do that. Um, well, large companies like IBM and HPE and, and Dell and all that stuff, they make a lot of money selling to uh, many people, businesses, and yeah. and and so forth, and server systems that are not AWS or Azure or Google. Um, so they want to keep their prices relatively low. So when you start to do the math, you start to think, okay, I'm going to buy uh, a server or develop my own little server farm. And you start looking at the cost of ownership of that hardware and maintenance agreements over time, energy, uh, space, and all that stuff. And then you start thinking, wow, um, if I actually sign up an agreement with AWS, are they competitive? Yeah. Do they give me the same of what I need at that price point? So that's where they want to stay. So they, they still want to grab your business. It, it's like you know, having a billboard space, um, the difference of a billboard space is that you only have so many billboards. Mm-hmm. So they can be, they can fluctuate their prices based upon how many people has already done advertisements on their billboards because they only have so much real estate. But in the 
computing world, it's almost infinite computing space. Um, you know, so you can actually expand and, and grow and, and keep your prices down and you don't get into that supply versus demand as much because you can continue to offer, uh, even when the demand is high, you can continue to offer to supply at, at a low cost, you know. So to try to grab that ownership. Um, so I, I, I think, um, are they making money? Yeah. Uh, you know, are they... Are they actually, you know, just rolling in money, um, you know, doing AWS cloud services to, to people? Um, probably not. You'd be surprised. I um, actually, some of the operating um, cash flow, most of it came from AWS, like 52% of the profit came from AWS. It was like a cash cow yeah. for, for them. Well, it's a, it's a growing business unit. Yeah. I mean... Uh, not a whole lot of people. I mean, compared to the the profit margin from selling a book off of Amazon, uh, which is you know a hard piece of uh, yeah. literature, you yeah. know, versus uh, virtual space, um, that margin is going to be greater. But you know, for me, the cloud is is this. So uh, the appeal of the cloud is saying. Uh, when you buy a piece of equipment uh, for a certain purpose, you're usually not using 100% of the resources of that computing power. Right. So uh, if I have a, if I go get a MacBook, right, a MacBook with uh, a terabyte hard drive and an 8 gig RAM um, and <laughs> it has quad-core you know, uh, dual quad core and et cetera. Most of the time I'm not using that to a hundred percent all the time. I'm using probably 10% of the resources on that, but I bought the whole MacBook, hundred percent of the MacBook, right? So I bought a hundred percent of that resource, but I use maybe 10%. Okay. And the appeal of going to the cloud is I only pay for what percentage that I actually use. Um, so it's, it's actually, you know, measuring your work process and saying, okay, I'm going to sell you a computer that's a hundred percent utilization and you would be pretty disappointed with that computer. It'd be a much smaller, you know, um, so that's the appeal. But the other side of it is, um, for those people selling hardware computers into your hand, personal computers into your hand. Um, they're offering discounts and, and et cetera, and, and their margin for production of that piece of hardware and the margin on it that, that you buy it for is relatively small. Yep. But they're making you know, a business out of that. You know, Apple computers, uh, they're making quite a bit of money from selling hardware, um, you know, of selling you equipment that's way overpowered to what you actually use it for. Um, but you have to also think on the business end uh, of AWS, Azure, Google, and the other uh, platforms out there that they're paying for that piece of hardware and they're not shelling out money out of their pocket. You're paying for that hardware. 
the clients and uh, right. is, is paying a hundred percent for that, you know, product that they have in that hardware that's in there, and plus they're building in margin. So there there does come a, a moment when I I can buy one HPE server, and yeah, right now I only use. 20% of the resources to do what I do. Um, but I own 100% of it. And if I want to increase my usage, I can. Okay. Zero cost. Yeah. I already paid for it. Yeah. Uh, if I want to triple that, I already have it. I can go to 80% and you know, still have headroom and utilize that space at zero cost. Whereas you know, if I go onto a, a public cloud provider, for me to double from 20% usage to 40% usage, now I'm paying double. Yeah. Now it still may be less than that one HPE server, but at a certain point that HPE server becomes a cheaper becomes a lot cheaper option because yeah. I I own it. So my cost of ownership over year from year to year is zero, whereas uh, on a public cloud platform it's in perpetuity yeah and you know in my estimation it's it's never gonna go lower right uh once they once they have a particular rate um now you can re-sign contracts and agreements uh but you're never going to be lower uh but you're in perpetuity and there's not a return on investment yeah. uh, in that that's the difference of going from a CapEx kind of acquisition to an OpEx, OpEx. model yeah. that now I have to be much more conscious of uh, my business and the efficiency of my business of operating at a certain level to make sure that, that I'm always bringing in much more cash than what I'm expending on, uh, on the operations. So. I, I think the I think the AWS model that I've seen it's been focused around customer retention. So if if you say I'm going to use your platform for two months, they're going to give you the full rate. You're going to pay you know whatever retail that mm. they charge for it. But if you're going to say I'm going to stick with the platform for three to four years, then you can get discounts of up to like sixty seventy percent. Um, because I think I think they're looking to build scale rather than just these you know hop on hop off type users on their thing. So they kind of want to kind of lock you in for a contract um, and, and they're going to give you a special rate for that. Which, you know, sounds sounds great, but at, at some point somebody's got to think, uh, wait a minute, how can you give me that much margin? How much does it really cost? Yeah. Um, you know, if you go in to buy, uh, I love it, young couples, they, they fall in love and they get engaged and, and they go out and they buy a very expensive engagement diamond ring. Um, and they'll go to, you know, these big brands, uh, jewelry stores, and they look at these prices, 5000 8000 and up for these, these diamonds. And like, oh, okay, well, I mean, you know, hey, sweetheart, I bought you a $10,000 diamond ring. Okay. What they're, when they're really shocked when, you know, when you go to try to resell a ring like that, and you're getting offered twelve hundred bucks. Yep. Wait a minute. 
Oh, yeah, because the markup on, like, diamonds uh, is, yeah. you know, ridiculous. I mean, you can go 400% markup on, on a lot of these, yeah. you know, things in retail. Uh, the cost of actually manufacturing clothing versus what you sell it as, you know, some of the, uh, you know, Jeff Zuckerberg wears $450 uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mark Zuckerberg wears $450 t-shirts. I mean, they must be really, really comfortable, but they're probably not much different yeah. than an $8 t-shirt. Yeah. And it yeah. probably cost maybe 50 cents to manufacture that $450 yeah. uh, branded t-shirt, you know. So the the real cost versus what you're, you're getting. So if they can right. give you a 67%, like... Yeah. That, that's profit in their pocket, you know. Right. I, I think I think the model they're going for is if they can lock you in for three years, you have going to have so much vested into the cloud mm-hmm. that it's going to be very hard to, you know, get your content off of it, get your stuff off of it, and do a transition to a different cloud. So I think I think the retention, you know, like once they get you locked in for like two plus years, you have so much on there, so much relied on that it's going to be very hard to get off of it and kind of transition to like a more of a, private cloud yeah it's de- definitely very much uh the old commercial of roach motel uh yeah. that you know that it's we make it easy for them to get in but they can't get out <laughs> yes. um and that's been the public cloud model now i'm not discounting that i mean it's a private business they're doing very very well they offer a great service and and the whole nine yards but uh that that cost to move media uh, uh, storage, using storage, moving content into their environment versus extracting that in quantity uh, is is very scary. Yeah. I mean, it's not th- symmetrical. It's not symmetrical, you know. So it's so, uh, especially when you talk about like Glacier, like for example, Amazon. They have the deep storage. Um, that's right. The, the Agris fees are. Are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's it's being stored on you know some sort of uh, you know disc. Uh, they, they're LTO for for the majority, like eighty yeah. percent of deep storage is LTO. LTO type, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, those machines are not not cheap. Uh, so that they're getting, they're going to find a way to get their money, you know, in other ways. Um, but the beauty about public cloud or any kind of you know platform like that uh, is the um, accessibility and the flexibility and the ease of being able to try different things. Different things. Yeah. In the software development world, you know, I mean, think about how how difficult it is. Let's say I'm building an app, an app that I don't know, a picture editing app. Um, just a simple little uh, picture editing app, and and I want to get it up and going. In the old days, um, you know, I would build that app, try to advertise with either pop-ups or digital ads on other people's web pages. You know, email blast, uh, sponsored you know emails and stuff like, you know, to try to get seen and hope that somebody can go to your page and download it. Um, and then use it. Now, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really easy because I can get onto an app store. 
um, and I can promote it within the, the app store, but my creation of that, I can do all that in the cloud, put it up there, and really have minimal investment of creating that app and maximum return on that investment by the downloads and, yeah. and, and, and so forth and accessibility to it. From a development standpoint, what I've seen is the elasticity of the cloud from a processing standpoint right. makes it a lot easier to test these process, you know, GPU, CPU intensive products without having to scale your own hardware. So you can take a, you know, you can test it on a very small load and then you can take the same application and test it with a very heavy load to see how it performs and you just pay for that usage within the cloud. You don't have to go buy new processors, you know, and, and up your RAM within your system. So it creates a lot of flexibility yeah. from a development standpoint. And, and I mean, in the old days, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, uh, you know, in, in software development, that's kind of, we can say that those are the old days where you would have to build up an infrastructure in order to accomplish that. Now I can just, you know, kind of, let's say, lease that space, do whatever I need. You you know, pay for what I actually use and and produce uh, a product and then sell that product off of that platform that's hosting that product and that actually in a lot of ways actually promote that product within, especially if you're building uh, microservices. If you're, if you're designing and building uh, singular purpose services, you can actually put those out there in the environment like a GitHub or something like that and to be used uh, across platforms. So, I mean, the world of development on, on, uh, on the public cloud is, is much more easier than, and for startups, I mean, uh, you don't have to build up a huge infrastructure. Um, you know, I was, uh, last week, I talked to a YouTuber that's, um, you know, they've been doing it for, I think a, a year, two years, um, 80,000 subscribers, and they're trying to build some infrastructure and, and processes, and, and they're like, well, we got some people coming in and, and uh, basically hooking up our serva, uh, servers so we can access it you know, from home and stuff like that. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, why didn't you just host it in the cloud? Yeah. I mean, you can actually edit in the cloud and you don't need any of this infrastructure of what you have you know and to be a youtuber and yeah. smart people you know because it's a it's a cryptocurrency channel and brilliant you know people on the on the finance side but have no idea on the on technology infrastructure side and i'm like wow you went out and bought all this stuff yeah, especially with like proxy-based editing now, that's that's huge. So even the connection you need to the cloud is very minimal. You don't a proxy, and then it renders in full in the cloud. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, they're they're live streaming on YouTube, so uh, their their need, it's not like they're record recording segments and need to pull down and do full rendering, you know, on on the full video. Um, so they just need a place to, to store it and you can look at that, you know, proxy and pull it down and edit or grab pieces as, as needed, um, in the future. But, 
I mean, their need for actual physical in- infrastructure is almost zero, but that's what that's what they've been told uh, by an advisor. Uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm like, who are you working with? Oh, a local IT firm. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're not, they're not giving you the best advice. Yeah. I mean, they're they're giving you the best advice for them. Yeah, <laughs> they can make profit that way. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, but that that's the other beauty of of this environment in the world we live in. That you know, to think, oh, I'm going to build a business, and I need this infrastructure. Well, now you can say, no, I don't really need in-house infrastructure. I can actually have that in the cloud environment and uh, and run my business. So here's an interesting statistic, just to kind of um, tie that back into the original question. The average business runs 38% of their workload in the public cloud and 41% in the private cloud. Now, if, if you're doing almost 40% of your workload in the public cloud, how does that affect you when, you know, company decides to shut down your services as it did recently to um, I think it was parlor right? so yeah. how, how, how does that affect any company say when AWS says you know what um, you violated our agreement in, in some way or another right. um, or we don't like you so we're gonna shut you down yeah I mean uh, that's an exceptional case and and let's hope that's an extreme outlier that never uh, occurs again and apart from the political aspect, um, you know, just looking at one private business contracting another private business to host uh, their their business, and and only given twenty four hours to yeah. move somewhere else because we're going dark with your accessibility and your content and, and so forth. Um, Obviously, there's legal ramifications and, and things going on, which I'm not going to speak to. Um, but for a content provider, that now becomes a very real consideration for uh, any kind of disaster recovery. Um, you know, how do I maintain and own my content and not ever be held hostage? Um, by another private business but I mean people have that challenge in the storefront world as well you know I'll let's say I start up a a business uh, where I'm selling you know gizmos uh, little trinkets and I lease a space at a storefront and you know here's my storefront of selling little trinkets and people can come in and shop and and etc a brick and mortar place well there's nothing guaranteed that uh, the owner was behind uh, on their payments to the bank and the bank came in and and shut the place down or you know and and something had happened behind the scenes that you're completely unaware of and uh, it went up on an auction and somebody else bought the property they wanted to do something else with it and they're saying, hey, we're going to terminate all the lease agreements in this place, and you have, you know, two weeks to get out. Well, that's a complete business disruption, and there's nothing I can do about it, um, you know, because other than some sort of legal recourse based on an original contract. So, but 
as a content provider, you have to consider all these aspects. How much are you going to depend in your workflow on one basket? Are you putting all your eggs in one basket? Now, I'm not arguing in the case of uh, you should be cross-platform. Let me make sure that I have my content in two places. You know, that's uh, AWS, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put content in Azure, and I'm going to put content in Google uh, Cloud, and I'm going to have it in, in three places. So if one goes dark, I still can. What, what about using like a hybrid situation where you know you you're mirroring because if it's local it's local cloud obviously you don't have a lot of fees going in and out so you buy basic you know jbods with some storage controllers mm-hmm. um, to store your content in, in conjunction you send what you need up to the cloud to do the work um, that way you have more of a you know safety net per se for your content yeah i think what i've seen over the past uh definitely 18 months is because of the global pandemic of COVID and a number of people have been forced to take the leap into the future in adopting cloud processes uh, or, you know, putting in their workflow uh, some sort of uh, cloud infrastructure out of necessity uh, because people work from home and, and now you're doing production from home. Um, and that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, so uh, what what's what's happened now in 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 that in that situation is people are now jumping all in once into the promise of what it should be, finding that there's gaps. It's not that it, yet. It, it, it's not as complete, or um, it doesn't flow as well because it's a brand new. In a way, it's a brand new workflow that doesn't have a thousand people beating on it and proving out the concept. You know, you have some pioneers that's blazing the trail um, into a concept that is falling short. So, what I've been hearing over the 18 months, you know, the past five years, I've been hearing push to the cloud, push to the cloud, push to the cloud. And 18 months, you know, now it's, well, let's look at hybrid workflows. Yeah. Hybrid processes. Because they're seeing these gaps, and plus there is also the fear of who owns your content and who's managing content and accessibility to the content, um, privacy, security, protection of the content. I mean, we've seen... We've seen some of these public uh, cloud companies be hacked. And uh, one, one case, I think, three, four years ago was Sony. And Sony was hacked, and a, and a movie was leaked early. So they yeah. ended up having to uh, you know, go ahead and put it out there for free. Um, but like, that's, that's a, a very serious consideration as a content creator. And do you think that um, public cloud companies that are well-known and established like AWS and Azure are more likely to be targets of uh, hackers than smaller providers or even your own private provider? Yeah, so definitely the more you're known, the more you are a target, right? I mean, that's that's just... uh, 
you know, a, a, if you're a rock band, yeah. right? If you're if you only perform at a at a local pub, uh, you're going to have a handful of fans. Versus if I'm worldwide, yeah, uh, like Katy Perry, she's going to have much more radical fans and and you know stalkers and yeah. weirdos yeah. and and all that stuff that want to get close to her. Um, so the more you're known, the more it's going to attract the the crazies that yeah. wanted to do some harm in some way. Um, but the other thing is, uh, because you're well known, you can build up an infrastructure and have some of the the greatest minds on security <clears throat> working on that. So, you, yeah. the, theoretically, you're much less vulnerable, yeah. because you've built up better security infrastructure than somebody smaller who's uh, they're putting all their money into being known yeah. and having uh, enough processors, uh, you know, uh, computing power to actually be a competitive and probably less money in security uh, aspects, you know. Yeah. So you might be actually more vulnerable on a smaller platform uh, that's relatively unknown um, than you would be on the larger platforms. But because you're on a smaller platform unknown, you probably will not get picked on as as quickly. Yeah, and it seems like if you have, and if you're doing a private cloud, you have much more. You may not have the security measures that a, that a large organization would have, but you also have a lot fewer access points to, that they have to defend. Yeah, actually, um, security is a huge issue right now, and it, it's something that in the media and entertainment space. Um, has not been uh, a priority of actually funding it. Um, it all the surveys, if you if you look at everybody from Devin Croft to IABM and and uh, some of the the people that take surveys of what's interesting, you know, uh, in the industry, security always remains pretty high on people's interest le level. Um, but then. The follow-up questions is, what are you spending money on? Yeah. And it's security tough. is almost Watch at the bottom. Uh, because it's everybody's concern, but it's really difficult to get sign-off uh, from uh, the CFOs and et cetera. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to hire these specialty people. <laughs> yeah. We're going to buy this triple-the-cost equipment um, and and software set and et cetera, what do I get for that? Well, we get to do what we do and make sure that nobody tinkers with it. Um, okay, so I don't, that's zero return on investment. That's just cost of doing business. That's a hard sell. Yeah, until you get hacked. And then until lose. the day after you get <laughs> hacked. You lose all that money. Uh, one media and entertainment uh, company, I, I, I'm not going to name them because they they had a situation where they were pretty um, seriously hacked um, by, I believe, a Croatian uh, firm. And, you know, what do you do? How do you stay on the air when literally the FBI is coming in and taking all of your servers? Yeah. Or shutting them down and doing analysis uh, on it. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, talk about a disruption of business. Uh, yeah. And, you know, thankfully they had pretty good security team and, and so forth. They was able to stop a lot of the access and bleeding. Yeah. But these uh, hacker groups, they're not individuals. I mean, there's actually companies yeah. <laughs> set up that uh, are constantly checking your vulnerability and they will put sleeper software. You'll download it and you'll have no idea that it's there in the system because it's not trying to do anything aggressive and it's just constantly pinging, occasionally looking for vulnerabilities and and occasionally, and it will s sit there and sleep within your network for six months to a year just lightly testing vulnerabilities once it's found it it's feeding all that data back yeah. to a home source once it's found then they hold you hostage yeah which bring me back to one point that you asked about security from like a, an aws more there's multiple areas right it could be on an application level security like you have vulnerability within your database structure or within your code that makes you vulnerable um, i think that's probably a higher risk than the one actually talking about directly hacking the AWS infrastructure because they have, you know, multiple layer of security and access management and, you know, web filtering packet, you know, firewalls. So I, I think the bigger vulnerabilities for AWS is the user application that are not properly built with security in mind. Um, but you don't, they don't have to um, it, it, penetrate the, the system-wide security to get, in order to exploit those vulnerabilities. Well, that, that's kind of, that's, that's more difficult, um, you know, to do. It's, it's much easier to find vulnerabilities, right? So let's say you are, you know, XYZ uh, television uh, network, uh, just making up an Acme uh, television network, and, and I'm, you know, doing uh, Western movies. Explosive devices. Uh, yeah, whatever, you know, um, and... I'm only uh, I'm only as secure as my weakest link. Yeah. In other words, if I have accessibility into um, AWS uh, admin uh, console, how many people have that access, and where are they accessing from? So if my passwords and, and users and, and, and so forth, that's, that's where you're vulnerable. Just like in a, in a TV station, um, your, your every USB uh, port is a weak link. Yeah. Um, and you have people all the time that thinks it's no big deal that they have a thumb drive that was given to them by a cousin that has some music on it or pictures on it or whatever and in the overnight hour the guy will just plug in the USB port and maybe even have a PDF on there uh, you know to do his schoolwork yeah and little did he know that that wrapper that created the PDF is embedding some sort of you know viral agent that's going into the system as soon as he plugged it in and it starts sniffing out and living in there and, and starts uh, holding uh, security systems yeah. uh, hostage, you know. Uh, pay this amount 
uh, or your computer yeah. gets fried. Yeah. Uh, the the one that I've seen most is when they lock, you know, encrypt all the files, especially your like all your yes. your commercial files. Also, you can't access them unless yeah. you pay them. Yeah. You know whatever they ask for. Uh, I've seen some station go off air for hours because they had no backup for the content. Yeah. The content was all you know being compromised and encrypted by a random file that somebody downloaded from some random website that they you well, know, the, browse the websites on. The the more humorous uh, hacking that we've seen is is people that's able to access uh, you know their local TV station and find the data that feeds their uh, uh, their their graphic systems and they go in and start changing the 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 ticker uh, information or the lower thirds <laughs> and they start putting you know uh, some X-rated stuff on there and. Uh, you know, or they find what feeds the prompter or, or something like that. You know, it's like those are things that's actually happened in the past, right. you know, six or seven years. And, you know, they're kind of funny, um, you know, but that's also kind of a very serious thing because yeah. what if you find a way to trigger uh, EAS uh, tones and uh, put it in information that a nuclear yeah. bomb is, you know, it's like what kind of. What kind of damage can you uh, like it, cause? Like, it, like happened in Hawaii that, mm -hmm. that not that long ago, yeah. So, I mean, th those are <clears throat> security really has to be um, a number one in in mind. If you're a content creator uh, or any kind of business whatsoever, we're now in an age where security has to be at the forefront of all the conversation and not a last resort. Yeah. Uh, or an afterthought. Yeah. So yeah. So so basic security from you know having redundancy in your content in two places in case you lose it, or security from a from a vulnerability hacking standpoint. Yeah. I mean, you got to think of it all all aspects. What what if what if this platform? I mean, I, I don't. I mean, AWS, Azure, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud are really large companies with lots of layers of backup and and security and, and so forth. But, I mean, let's just be kind of uh, Michael Crichton or Robin Cook and, and uh, predict the worst-case scenario and, and saying, what if their infrastructure goes down? You know, what what happens? Or what if there's some sort of unique viral agent that starts shutting their entire uh spider web of network uh, communication between centers starts yeah. choking yeah, and, yeah. and what if fiber uh, you know gets completely yeah. shut down you know it's like all these infrastructure things that uh, we depend on uh, what if something catastrophic kind of happens how do I stay right and this something that happened recently, there was like a DDoS attack on some sort of like a Cox or a Comcast um, routing system. And like many companies went dark, they had no internet access, they couldn't do anything. So if, if you're primarily in the cloud and you have no backup, you know, how do you operate? Yeah. Um, especially when you're mission critical business, like a television station. Yeah, I think I think you have to, you, you have to analyze, um, you know, going back to my Six Sigma you know, training uh, days, 
you have to really analyze your process and and take a look at vulnerabilities within your process and the workflow and and ask those questions up front now you're never going to be able to um, properly predict uh, I mean you can you can create and think about a thousand different scenarios and try to build an infrastructure to meet the demands of any of those thousand uh, scenarios and then a thousand and one comes by yep. pops up yeah. and uh, you know and also the cost associated with that I was going to mention that the opportunity cost versus the financial cost associated with the, with the risk mitigation. I mean, you can you can have a belt suspenders, you know, kind of a, approach, um, you know, but that comes at a cost. And and in the day and age where you're competing with literally somebody with their phone that's uploading to YouTube for eyeballs. And their overhead cost is hardly nothing. I mean, that, that's what's amazing to me is is the consumption and the of content and the type of content that's actually being consumed. Um, it, it's going to change how and where we spend our money um, moving forward because the large two hundred million blockbuster movie it cost to 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 create the movie and distribute the movie, you know, may not get a, as much eyeballs as some sort of cat video. Right. That, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. that. I mean, that's that's the new world we live in. <laughs>